Hi, and welcome back to the How to Decorate podcast from Ballard Designs. We want to teach you how to decorate your home and unleash your inner decorator. So we'll be interviewing interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world, sharing the trials and triumphs of our own homes, and also answering your decorating questions. I'm Caroline. I run the Ballard Designs blog, howtodecorate.com. And I'm Taryn. I'm on the product design team. And I'm Karen, and I head up branding for Ballard. very special guest today, Meg Braff from uh, Locust Valley, New York. She's an interior designer and has a new book, The Decorated Home, and we're so thrilled to have her. Thank you. Welcome, Meg. Thanks. So much fun to be here. But originally you're a Southern girl, right? I am. We always like it when we have a Southerner. I'm always Southern. I'll always be Southern. (laughs) Meg is always decorating beautiful vacation locales. Mm, You do a lot of second homes? I do lots of second homes. Mm Mm-hmm. Very, very tropical locations. I do a lot of resort decorating. And currently we're working um, in Jamaica. We're redoing a house that we did 10 years ago, which is a lot of fun. And always challenging to to do the same family. Mm -hmm. But it's very challenging, I think, to do a house twice. So because how, you know, how do you make it better? How do you improve upon what's there? What do you keep? What do you disregard? So that's um, a great project right now. And then we're working on something um, in Bermuda. And then also a ranch in Texas and a really beautiful um, home in Dark Harbor, Maine. Oh, that's, you're all over the world. That's really charming and just a big rambling house in the water. So that's been a lot of fun. Taryn spends her summers in Maine. Yes, my family has a little house up there. It's so, so charming. So what's our panel question? Yeah, so I thought we could all go around and talk about or everyone – you know, describe mm-hmm. your dream vacation. This is ultimate fantasy. Not one we've taken. Correct. One we could take if there were no limits. Yes. All right. So in my fantasy world, at some point, I would like to do an entire summer in, I haven't decided either the south of France or Italy, rent a sprawling little villa or something. And if I have kids, maybe like put them in art camp Send Will out to like draw every day, take cooking (laughs) classes, Uh and every weekend go to like a different little town and like walk around and stuff and just basically have the time to spend all of it in one place and just relax but also be in Europe. So question, does it need to be near the water or is it okay if it's like you said south of France or, or is it like in the countryside? What are you thinking? I mean, you don't I'm care? flexible. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I feel like you cheated. You didn't actually pick a place. <laughs> well, she said France or Italy. It's more, well, I want somewhere beautiful, but it's more about the time period and having, like, being able to take, like, cooking classes or something, you know, like that. Like, I would do Paris, too, but I did spend a semester in Aix in Provence, and I loved that. So, so not a city, per se. There. Yeah, yeah, I want it like a villa. If this is no whole barn, I want it like a... You want a village. Do you speak either language? Yes. Both? A little bit of both. You, really? I took Say Italian. something right now in French. I don't believe you. Oh my God, you can't put me on the spot <laughs> like that. Baguette. <laughs> no, I was, a, um, I was a French major and I spent a semester in France. All my classes were in French. You were a French major? Uh-huh. No, minor. I'm sorry. Minor. Okay. French minor. Um, all my classes were in French, though. That's cool. Like economics, political science. 
I was an English minor and I could barely speak English. <laughs> Not true. Okay, I have one. Okay. okay, I have so many that I don't Ooh, know where to start. I it's know, hard it's to narrow down, But right? I'm going to narrow it down because I have, you know, family vacation fantasies, and then I have vacations with my husband, and then I also have sort of girls' trip Ooh, okay. fantasy Ooh, do all vacations. three. Wait, yeah, let's get one of each. So my fantasy girls' trip vacation, which I actually was just invited to go on and I can't go, mm. would be to go to India to go shopping to go with a bunch of other decorators. So mm-hmm. that's my friend Lisa Fine is leading a group with um, Indigari, and she does textiles. So she has a very you know, interesting group of people going. And I would have loved to have done that. So that'll have to be on the the bucket list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does she have spots available? Yeah. I think possibly. Yes. <laughs> I just said I want to go to India, but I've been to India. <laughs> but it wasn't that fun kind <laughs> of trip to India. It was a work trip. Yeah. My husband has no interest in going. So we've already put that on the table. But we, um, as a family, we do a lot of sort of more adventure trips. And this Christmas, we're going to Argentina. Last, last year, we went to Africa, which was so incredible and actually really was a fantasy trip. Like I feel like I've taken my fantasy trip this year. <laughs> it was um, only nine days because everyone thinks you have to go to Africa for like two or three weeks, but we didn't have a lot of time. And we okay. went for nine days and did just the most amazing, you know, we were on the blue train from Johannesburg um, going into the reserves and then we took helicopters to the to the Green Valley and had a lunch and hiked. Oh and then we had six days of safari and incredible meals and just beautiful landscape and animals. It was, oh it was an God. absolute dream. That so is amazing. I, my I would love yeah. to do that again with my with my children. And and you have four boys. I have four boys. Mm. Oh, so this was just you and your husband. No, no that was, was the whole the boys. family. Oh, the whole it was oh, with okay. the boys. We do a lot of sort of more adventure like trips with them. Is that in lieu of Christmas gifts? It, is it like our trip you know what, is our gift? It sort of is. I mean, mm-hmm. we do a little bit of Christmas gifting, but it's not. Um, you know, over the top. Yeah. That's amazing. How many people can you fit in a helicopter? Six. <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah. they couldn't have any more kids. Five of y'all. And We're maxed out. <laughs> wow. No, now, do you find that it, as your, because your children are how old now? So my oldest is 20, my twins are 18, and my youngest is 14. Okay. So 14 to 20. Now I feel like they're kind of at ages where they probably have some similar interests. They want to yes. look at some of the things. Whereas when they're a little bit younger, like, oh, we're going to go to the south of France. They're like, I hate you. I know. It's harder. <laughs> it, it's easier now that they that they have, like, so for example, we're going to Argentina. We're organizing. They're all very interested in shooting. So they're going to go on some sort of shoot. Mm-hmm. And then they um, they play squash. They're all pretty avid squash players. And so we've arranged for some coaching there. Um, we're doing. We're visiting vineyards, in the Malbec region. Didn't you just and go to Argentina? I did. We have to. Oh yeah, and after. She just did your trips. Yeah. Okay, we have to compare. I just those. did both of those. So well, fantastic. Yeah, Taryn and her so, husband go on two big trips a year. That's great. We try. What a, what a good habit to be in. It's it's not a bad. One. It's not <laughs> one I want to quit. And then what's your cool. couples trip? Well, Doug and I we we go to St. Bart's every year. So I love the idea of it's complete relaxation and really fun. Do you By run the way, a guaranteed house or fun do you stay in a hotel? We stay in a hotel there. Mm-hmm. Um, what time of year do you Chevel go? Cheval Blanc is where we stay. Mm. It's beautiful and it's right on the beach and just it's perfect. The food is amazing. You know, it's French, so everything is yeah. perfect. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the French so we, know what French people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We love that type of vacation, um, but we should, you know, we're ready to try a few new places. So, mm-hmm. yeah, adventure and more. exploration it sounds yeah, like you like I do yeah keep, keep it interesting Karen we're going well okay way. so yeah. definitely need to fly private <laughs> 
Definitely. That takes all the stress out of everything. Right? That's all I want in the world. <laughs> Pull up to your plane. Uh-huh. It takes off when you get there. It doesn't have there. to be my plane. As long Someone's as it's private. <laughs> all right. Really? And then what? what's on the other end of it? I don't really care. <laughs> just a really what long... if they dropped you off in middle nowhere georgia <laughs> that would not be fun okay. that would also be a really short private plane ride it really <laughs> would be me on the stage 30 minutes Take it. <laughs> well, i was gonna say another state but i didn't want to offend anyone that's true I'm go with our state <laughs> i know what the middle of georgia looks like <laughs> uh, there is a vacation i want to go on that i haven't gone on with my kids and my husband which is, I want to do the Grand Canyon. I want to do like a yeah. full. We have not done that. And that is an amazing trip. Uh-huh. That is on my list. Like a new, know, for the next a whole New Mexico, to... like that whole area Beautiful. I want to do with my family. Um, and I I might compromise and like do some kind of swank RV. But I really, you know, that's what everyone says you have to do. But I'm sort of morally opposed to it because I had, I've been burned as a child on some RV trips. And I have found out that my mother listens to this podcast. <laughs> So sorry, mom, but um, <laughs> I don't love a road trip. <laughs> but I think if you want to see that kind of the world, mm-hmm. like you really need to get out and walk around and see it. Right. So um, that that's something that I think would be fun. That would be a huge adventure. Mm-hmm. I would love to do that. Yeah, and like whitewater rafting and oh, all that stuff. I love there. as a child growing up in Mississippi. My dad used to take us to North Carolina on whitewater rafting trips. That's we had awesome. a great time. Yeah, yeah that is fun. A great time. Mm-hmm. All right, Taryn, your turn. You've been everywhere, so how can you even have a fantasy trap? Yeah, this is just not ideal for people liking me generally. We no, do, we all hate you. Yeah, <laughs> we do. We've been a lot of places. I've been very, very fortunate. Um, so when I was thinking about mine, because even when people ask me where's my favorite place I've been, I can't answer you. If you can tell me, like, what you want to go do, then I can be like, oh, my gosh, if you want to see ruins, go here. If you want to adventure go here Mm -hmm. so when I was thinking about it would be somewhere sandwiched where you can get to a beach but you can also get to a mountain because those locations are always the best because you can do a little hiking you can also just sit on the beach if you want it would be small enough so you don't feel like you need to explore every nook and cranny but that you feel like you can get the feel of the little city or the little town but you Mm -hmm. feel remote and it would definitely have a chef of some sort, so you're not even thinking about. Food. So, are you staying in a house in this private? In this, yes. In, okay. And I obviously have someone helping me at this house. Yeah. Have you been anywhere like this in the world? Well, for instance, we went to Cape Town. Right there, they get the beach, then they have the mountains, and you're like, "This is in Maine," but again, my cousins live 30 minutes from the mountains and right. 30 minutes from the beach, and I'm like. You're doing it right. We're like five hours from the beach and like (laughs) a good hour from mountains. Yeah, we don't have water really. (laughs) Sprinklers. (laughs) (laughs) We have lakes. It's probably why I I love a change in terrain and the feel that you can do something adventurous or you can do nothing at all. It's pretty amazing, I think, um, when you think about all there is to explore, even in just the United States. Because, you know, I mean, I think when you often ask people, where do you want to go? And they say all over the world. But, you know, if you go out to Oregon or you go to, I mean, to New Mexico, or I mean, all over the United States, there's so many interesting Alaska. spots to explore. Oh, it yeah. So yeah, it's so different. It's like mm-hmm. it being in another world when mm-hmm. you look around. So anyway, all those places are inspiring. I think it is about inspiration and finding the little shop that no one knows about or a flea market or a museum. Um, 
and finding inspiration for your life and for your home. And mm-hmm. I know I collect something everywhere I go. You, you always bring them. something home yeah. in your lap. I like a good challenge of <laughs> what can fit on the plane back. Yeah. Okay. Wait, I have to ask because last weekend you were in New York on your Instagram. The basket that you were bringing home was literally the size of what is this? No, that's not even how big it what is. What is this? Her arms it was are like out. This how big tall. would you call this? Just like a trash can, like a very, very large trash yeah, can. Yeah, it's a big basket. How'd you get that thing home it's on airplane? At least like 36 it, inches tall. Did it make it home safely? Because <laughs> um, there's no way you could fit that in the overhead, oh, I, lady. I put the lid upside down inside, and I put two clear trash bags on it, and I checked it. I walked up to the counter, and I had everything else I could carry on, or it was carry on. Right. So I literally, you know, the lady's not even looking up, and she's like, Put your bag on the scale, and she looks down. She's like, "Well, that's not a bag." And I was like, "It's not. Do I need a fragile sticker?" She was like, no. <laughs> they didn't crush it. No, it didn't get crushed. I was really, I was taking the chance. Yeah, but, <laughs> like you know, I like a good challenge. So. Well, we often talk about the things that we brought home in our laps. Like, mm-hmm. what's the weirdest thing you've taken home on an airplane? Oh, I'll tell you. Uh-huh. Uh, I was just thinking about it when I was in Argentina with, um, I, I was with a, a big group of designers and architects with the leaders of design group. And we all went to the flea market and in Buenos Aires, and I bought these two fabulous um, silver ice buckets. They were enormous. They were the size <laughs> of a small dog or bigger, That's you know. Awesome. And so I had them wrapped in bubble wrap at the hotel, and I put them, you know, into my compartment above my um, above my seat, but. Every every step of the way, someone was giving me a hard time about yes. it. From the minute I got to the airport, it was sort yes. of silver's pretty heavy. It's very heavy. So it's very heavy. Like I found a friend to carry one. Yeah. Nice friend. That's a good friend. Yeah. I hope she's had some champagne out of that champagne bucket. That's right. That's good awesome. friends. Good travel companion. So that was my favorite. I think. That's pretty good. Awesome. Yeah. But I love to go to flea markets. Yeah. I love to do that. Oh. As you mentioned, that's oh, a great way to get to know city. a city. That's just mm-hmm. a great way to mm-hmm. sort of get to know what's there and what great vendors they have and what and what's, you know, available there. Like, you mm-hmm. know, Buenos Aires was different great everywhere, for right. silver, actually. They had beautiful and beautiful antiques and just lots of great things. So should we get back to talking to Meg about Meg? Oh. We want to talk all about you. <laughs> I, I'm from Tupelo, Mississippi. Um, I grew up there, went to high school there, and then went to Vanderbilt and then to Parsons in New York. And that's how, really sort of how I ended up in New York City. Well, I read in your book that um, you kind of figured out you loved design when you were decorating your college dorm room. I did. <laughs> I did. It was very experimental. We had a lot of fun. My roommate and I had such a great time sort of scavenging pieces from our parents and friends, and we didn't really have any budget at all. But we pieced it together, and it, it looked pretty fabulous. Did I it? Did you get it published? <laughs> it was not published, <gasps> but we took a lot of pride in doing it. How did your parents feel about you going into design? Were they supportive? They were just so happy that I'd found something that I loved to do Mm -hmm. or that I was really passionate about and interested in. And I I wanted to go to London after college and go to a design school in London. And then we sort of compromised with New York. So (laughs) That's good. Always like over ask. And then you can get like the compromise, which you really kind of wanted. That's that's, that's a great strategy. Yeah. I love your new book. When did it come out? Thank you. It came out in April, mm-hmm. and it's been a lot of fun. I've had such a great time just 
you know, we've had lots of great book signings and events and different programs. And it's just a great opportunity to connect with people who share my aesthetic and who are excited about the book. And, um, but it, the whole experience was wonderful I'm in doing curious it. about the process mm-hmm. of writing a book. Because we've had, we've had a lot of guests who have books, right. but we've never asked, like, how did that process start? Was it difficult to write? <clears throat> how did you pull the photos? It took me longer, I think, than almost everyone else. <laughs> I was very slow in the process. I had a lot of things. I was, you know, at the same time, I was attempting to get three kids into college and we were building a house. So I had to sort of do what I could when I could. Yeah. But it worked out. And I think it took about three years from beginning to end. I did my book with Rizzoli and they were amazing and patient. I moved my deadline twice and they were completely fine with it. Um, but I used... I used one photographer for most of the book, which was, I think, great and added a lot of um, cohesiveness mm-hmm. to the final pro- product. Yeah. Um, but we used, you know, I used some photography that had, had come from various photo shoots for House Beautiful or Coastal Living or magazines like that. And then we, we shot about 11 new projects. So that was, you know, challenging to get that done. It's, you know, photo yeah. shoots take a really long time. It's very disruptive from your normal work day so they um, seem so glamorous and they're (laughs) so not glamorous they're so not glamorous (laughs) when you're like oh I'm on a photo shoot we laugh about how unglamorous they are but there's nothing better than finishing a photo shoot there's nothing there's no better feeling than wrapping it up and you know (laughs) putting putting the flowers in your car Getting uh, in the tub. I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just want to soak my legs. You know? I know. Yeah, it's hard work, I for know. sure. So it took about three years, and I, ha- I had a lot of help, you know, from my office. And um, Brooke Scholl, who just did a wonderful job helping me with the writing, and which is such a process in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Once we got the photography done, I thought, I'm done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because for me, I'm so visual that it was sort of – that was the biggest, that was the hardest part for me is just getting that done and looking the way we wanted it to look. And, but, um, writing the book was, uh, it was a great experience. It was the first time I've ever done something like that. I would love to do it again. How did you decide how to organize your chapters? Well, because I used photography from other, you know, from various projects, mm-hmm. we didn't use every room from every project. We just felt that it sort of, um, lent itself to be organized sort of in this way, which is more about color and about pattern. and There's sort of a theme for each yeah, one. Yeah, I'm trying to find the chapter so I can say it. Like, yeah. um, here it is. There I have we a are. thing for pattern. I do. I love that one. <laughs> I have a question about pattern because sure. you, you use a lot of it and you do it very well. How do you mix it without mm-hmm. over-mixing it I, well, I or think, using it? I think when you're when you're looking at the overall aesthetic of a house and you're thinking about moving through the house, I think if you're going to use a lot of pattern, it's helpful to use it in different places. Like in one room, the pattern might be on the walls, but maybe in the room next to it, it might be on the carpet. And then in another space, it might be on the upholstery. So don't have like a bold wallpaper in every room. I think that would, yeah, that would kill the house. I I think it's better to have, um, at eye level, I think you want to sort of give your eye a chance to rest. So as you're moving around, but I think it's, you know, but you want to keep it interesting. And, um, but I always feel like when I think about a project, I sort of look at the overall space when we're thinking about 
you know, what rooms could really benefit from wallpaper or some texture or some weight and, you know, what rooms could really benefit from a patterned carpet because maybe there's a lot of traffic, you know? And so when you're thinking about all those things and sort of putting it together, it does sort of help you define what the house is going to look like because there are certain decisions that are made based on practicality. That's so, so I've literally never thought about that, like using the pattern in a different way in every room. It really helps me because I think you want every room to be interesting and sort of have its little moment in whatever that is. And, you know, there's a, every room has its own little star, um, you know, whether it's some fantastic fabric that you fell in love with or some amazing light fixture that's sort of eye catching or even just a beautiful, you know, old, you know, Portuguese carpet or something that you found that kind of just is your inspiration for that room. But it's great to sort of figure out, you know, as you're planning your home to sort of, you know, walk through the house sort of with those ideas in mind. The other thing you mentioned about pattern is um, varying the scales of it within a room. Could you talk about that a little bit? Because I thought that was really interesting because I, I don't know that people would intentionally know mm -hmm. to do that. So um, I, I really love a, a little bit of a layered look. So I enjoy and I love a lot of impact so I think large-scale patterns are I'm really drawn to the larger scale um, fabrics especially if you're working in a home that has some scale and proportion I think that that's a great opportunity to use a large-scale wallpaper or fabric on a pair of chairs or something but if you really sort of play with the scales of the fabrics you can have the larger scale fabric on the two chairs or on the sofa and then you might use sort of a sort of a mini pattern on beautiful lampshades that you have made or on the pillows on a piece, you know, um, next to the pattern sofa. You know, mm -hmm. I think you can sort of, you know, I think you can mix some like ticking stripes with large scale patterns with like a small paisley kind of like, or, you know, something kind of econy and get a really great effect. But I think it's important to, again, you have to, every room needs a little breathing space. So if you're doing that, with fabrics and even with the carpets, the you know the walls might be want, want to be something a little more monochromatic, give your eye a place to rest. I use a lot of solid upholstery fabrics. I think you'll notice. I mean, I actually, I don't do a lot of big, bold sofas that are in giant patterns. I, I tend to, when I'm using pattern, I tend to use it on chairs or, you like know, one thing things that move to... around a little bit more, I guess. So you use a lot of solid upholstery as well in the mix? I do. I think it's really timeless. And actually, there's a photograph in my book that I'll find for you. But it was a house I did 18 years ago. And we, it's basically solid upholstery. It's all done in shades of apricot and yellow. And this is one of my favorite clients. And they called me a few, like, four years ago and said, um, we want to redo the house completely except for the living room. My, my husband, it's his favorite room of all of our houses. He doesn't want to change the living room. So we did the entire house and left this room. But it kind of, it really goes to show that if you use really sort of timeless pieces and solids with some texture and some interest, you know, it, it stood the test of time. Yeah. Wow. Good. And we, good. we did update the curtains. We, we, we <laughs> gave the curtains like a new what fresh, a new fresh totally look. Alert. Yeah. Well, they were, they, they were nice just swag. a solid and we went with a zigzag, sort of a big silk, yeah. yellow and white zigzag. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it looks, you know, it gives it a little more... Um, a little more glamour <laughs> on you, the water there. <laughs> you definitely, I would say, even though your book is chocked full of color, I would still say your color is white after looking at this. You love white furniture. A lot of white I furniture. Do. I, I, yeah. I, I really do love, I, you know, I like the contrast 
I think also of having like white paint and furniture against green walls or to me, I, I sort of like that juxtaposition. So yes, you're absolutely right. I love also, but I like mixing in old pieces too. And even some of the mm-hmm. white pieces or vintage pieces that we've had, you know, lacquered or, you know, restored. And so it's nice having pieces in the room where everything has a little bit of a different story and mm-hmm. everything didn't come from the design building, you know, mm-hmm. and mixing it up and layering it up a little bit. You talked about that in your intro too. I'm sorry, Caroline. Yeah. But I feel like there was, I can't, I want, mm-hmm. when I read it, I was like, oh, I want to mark this sentence and bring it up. I can't remember <laughs> what it was, but it was something about how, um, you know, your home really isn't, I want to find it. It might've been the very last <laughs> sentence. Well, I was going to ask what you would say your favorite color is. Just It's blue. <laughs> oh, is it? I love blue. I mean, I just, if I had to commit to a color, that would be it. I One like most shades are. of blue. Like I, everything from sort of, you know, aqua to slate blue to, I mean, I love like a dark, rich slate blue library. Um, you know, I just lacquer my stair hall and a very pretty shade of sort of aqua that is great looking and I'm excited about it. I think I'm just, it makes me happy every time I walk in there. <laughs> so I think blue would be my color, but I love mixing it with, you know, chartreuse. Like I love sort of a beautiful blue with a chartreuse and maybe an aubergine. I think the color combinations, I think so many things work with blue. It just right. works. Mm-hmm. And you speak to being a neutral in your... Yes. <laughs> blue is a blue neutral. Blue is my neutral. I know. Neutral. <laughs> Don't you compare blue is to the sky? Beige. Yeah. You're I like, know. the sky's blue. It's, it's neutral. It sort of works with everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a color of nature. I love the way in your rooms you will sort of take one color and like really work it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go for it. Yeah. I, I noticed that too because there's a lot of mix, there's a lot of color, but it's not that you, you usually don't have more than three colors in a room. That's Sometimes true. it's one or two. That's true. A lot of the I times. do, and, and that's where repetition comes in. You know, you sort of, if you repeat something, mm-hmm. it becomes very intentional. If you have it three times, it, it belongs there sort of. Right. I think you have to, com- it's great to commit, to sort of sort of figure out, where you're headed, and then just sort of commit to that and really go for it and make it work. So I try to do that with my clients. We we get our ideas together, and then we sort of figure out what we're going to pull the trigger on and what's going to stick, what's going to be something that you can really live with also. It's it's kind of like if you don't really commit to whatever that thing is that you're doing, it's going to be sort of halfway, and you'll never really be able to love it because it's not really – you didn't like all take, the way take, take that take thread, the, yeah, like and, really and keep running it. with it. Yeah. Does a house have to have the same palette all the way through? I think it's. I think having the same sort of color saturation is a good thing. And when I say mm-hmm. that, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of doing like soft grays and then doing something really, um, like a chartreuse in the room next door. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like there are there are ways to um, adjust the palette, but I think it's, I think the overall effect is really so much more pleasing if you are able to sort of run with a little bit of a thread mm-hmm. of consistency in terms of how bright the colors are or how muted the colors are. Like, I actually love, like, you know, when we were doing a house sort of near Millbrook, I love doing that slightly more muted palette that sort of just, it was a little bit earthier, 
but we we went with it everywhere and we kind of adjusted our our whites were a little more ivory you know mm-hmm. but it kind of but nothing looked dirty or dingy because everything was co- sort of consistent and it's all what you're comparing it to true you know true. um but when i'm doing a project let's say in palm beach or you know somewhere very tropical the light is so different that we always go with the whitest whites in those places because if you do anything other than white it starts to look a little it can look a little aged. a little dingy or yeah. aged a little sad so I like to keep it really crisp where the light is strong or when you're near the water. But I think when you're in places like even where I live in Locust Valley, like you can, you can sort of pull back the intensity of the color and still have great color saturation, but it doesn't have to be so, you know, intense. Tropical. So tropical, yeah, right. Do you have to use different kinds of fabrics or anything like that in those high sunshine environments, well, performance I, fabrics? Or I think it's, um, it's, better to do that not everybody wants to do that but and there are ways there's so many great ways to treat fabrics now so that even if you are using a fabric that's let's say from quadrille um, because you love it you love the palette you love the the pattern um you can still have those fabrics treated so that they are a little more forgiving a little more resistant to weather and mildew and things like that Mm -hmm. so well if I don't have a designer mm-hmm. and I want to have my fabric treated, right? how does one go about doing that? There is a place, and I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of it, that our <laughs> office uses. I could get that name for you, that we send everything there to be treated. So is that all they do? Is and it, it's, or is it a type of place it's, that that's they, all they do. treat fabrics? That's okay. all they do. But it's everything from lamination to um, waxing the fabric. If you want a wax finish that's not laminated, where the water just rolls off of it, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. or, um, the, the thing I, I've not figured out is how to prevent fading. So when you are working mm-hmm. in those types of climates where you're getting a lot of direct sunlight, the fading, I think is the biggest issue. Right. So that would be a reason to use sort of a, a sombrella product right. because they have figured that out. Right. <laughs> yes. Sombrella has got it all worked out with that. Yes. Solution dyed so. acrylic threads. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just had a tutorial on that at work. (laughs) (laughs) So as a mother with four children, how do you, how has that affected your, um, the interior of your own home or the way that you decorate for yourself? Has it? That's why I use so much pattern. Right? (laughs) That's right. I have a dog and four boys. Is it a Um, male dog? It's a, no, it's a female dog. Okay. So at least you have one ally. She's so sweet. She's so sweet. She's 13 years old. My house is, feels very loved. It's not, I mean, it's really beautiful, but it's not. Um, pristine or it's not you know dressed to impress it's really just like we live there it looks great it functions really well for us we have a lot of fun I really enjoy doing it because it is great it's hard to choose things for yourself it's a lot easier to choose um, things for clients that is it's hard to commit it is because I'm not a big fan of redecorating like I I actually pretty much with my last house we were there for 16 years and I (laughs) <laughs> basically never redecorated but I I'm pretty timeless in my you know choices so I'll freshen up things here and there but I never just did the full redo but I don't really like doing the same house twice so. <laughs> so but you said it's beautiful but it's um not dressed to impress so it's it's well, family friendly so how it is, but it, how but do you approach it to make it be like do you have any tips about that um, besides pattern pattern's a good one see. I mean it's like my home is, it's, it's very elegant and it's a little bit, and I feel like it's a little bit glamorous. I mean, it has a great feel, has great scale and proportions and, but it's very, I mean, I feel like my fabric choices are very forgiving. Mm-hmm. My carpet choices are very forgiving because I have a dog 
and so, have no yeah. choice but to be so and even the choices that were not so forgiving such as my jute carpet that was ordered from India I found someone who actually came in and was able to paint the carpet when my dog had an accident. <laughs> awesome. A pattern? We cleaned it and then we painted it. <laughs> a solid or a pattern? It's like a dye. It's like a dye solution. Uh, wow. That he kind of, smart. with a brush, came in and sort of made it all go away. So, <laughs> so what? Cool. What is like oh. a rug that would be... That's forgiving. Yeah, that's forgiving. I think um, anything that can be cleaned, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, and a little bit of pattern is a good thing. It doesn't have to be dark. Um, that's the thing with carpets. I think you don't have to actually, some of the most forgiving carpets are not that dark really, Mm -hmm. but I think a little pattern, a little movement and that ability to sort of be able to to clean it. Like a wool wool carpets are actually very easy to clean. Honestly, if it doesn't have a backing on it, it's just a textile. Yes. You can scrub it. You can just sort of, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, blot, scrub it. Blot. Yeah. I send, I send it out. You do. <laughs> that is one thing. I don't send out for much, but once a year we roll them all up and send them all for cleaning. There's Smart. nothing better than getting your carpets cleaned. Oh my gosh! Then you it's, want to roll on the ground. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you do. You're like no one's like feet have like touched this, is this the yet. Best. <laughs> the dog hasn't like rolled on it yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was really shocked when I went through your book only to realize how many of your images we as a team when we work together that we have used either for mm-hmm. layout or placement of pattern mm-hmm. the Pattern's ginger jar chocolate oh, great. one with yes. the white I just pulled that not knowing it was yours <laughs> and used it was saying oh look at how pretty this is and then I saw it in here and I was like oh. I'm so excited that's that's all the good person ideas. I'm like <laughs> you <laughs> It's yes. so nice. No, it does happen. We because we often will pull ideas for room layout mm-hmm. or for like you said for like well let's let's emulate the way that this pattern has been used in this room or mm-hmm. the color palette or mm-hmm. I mean we're inspired by yes that's we're copying you all the time basically <laughs> that's what we're saying sorry we're trying to be you <laughs> so you say in your book bring back the dressing table oh well, I love I have a thing for dressing tables is that- <laughs> I have several in my own house you have several I do I do. Um, do you place them in all your projects? I do have a dressing table I, in almost every bedroom that I do for clients. and it's it, But it could also be a desk. It could yeah. also be a desk that sort of doubles as a place to sort of, you know, if two people are changing in the room and one person's in the bathroom and you want to have a place to plug in your hairdryer. Right. Mm-hmm. I think it's yeah. really useful. Um, so, but I also think it's very glamorous and very kind of just – fun to have a dressing table and to have all your things and to be able to enjoy getting dressed and kind of getting organized and having a place to put your things. Mm-hmm. That's have your that own moment place. for you. Right. Mm-hmm. So I do. I like things like that. I, there was something you said in your book that was basically like every single little detail can and should be pretty. We don't all live in enormous houses. And so I think, you know, even if you're living in a studio apartment, it's almost more important what's not in your home than what is in your home. Like I think the editing is such an important part of the process of getting where you need to be with mm-hmm. your house. And I think that's constant. Oh, creeps up constant. on Creeps up. Just the other day, I'm looking over mm-hmm. at my bar right now. Just the other day, you know, I get mixers and I put them in there. And I had been at the store and I was putting mixers in the bar. And I'm like, how many shakers do we have? <laughs> and I'm pretty, I'm pretty aggressive about the clean out. Like, yeah. it goes on going <laughs> all the time. So I sat there for 30 minutes and went through that whole thing. We have eight shakers. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, whoever even uses a shaker, maybe twice a year for making a margarita. I mean, so I had to clear all that and like openers and how many like wine openers do we need and how sure. many muddlers do we need and <laughs> ridiculous. You know, you know what's a great alternative for a shaker? The glass Mason jar. Oh. I don't <laughs> like the way they look. Yeah, but she has eight eight shakers. She doesn't need an alternative. <laughs> yeah, I don't need I an don't alternative. Need. She needs a party is what she needs. But I was just saying, if you only use it twice a year, you don't really need one. Those two times a year, you can like mm. use a mason drawer or two glasses together or something. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Unless you just want one for it to be decorative. No, I, I have one that's decorative too. They are pretty attractive. I have to they say, I love pretty, it. Right? Like our, I know. I mean, if I was displaying a beautiful collection, that'd be one thing. I wasn't. Yeah. They were just flopping all over in that cabinet, <laughs> taking up room. I needed that room for my mixers. But like oh. you said, it's a constant... Constant it's, battle, really. It is a constant <laughs> battle. And if you have just life in general, mm-hmm. just takes over and you have to just stay on top of it. It's sort of hard to do, hard to find the time to focus on elimination, but, <laughs> but it's important. It's it is. important. What's your biggest designer or design pet peeve? Um, oh, gosh. I mean... Don't look at my house. I see you looking around. <laughs> Stop looking around. <laughs> I hate I hate gray walls in the living room. <laughs> oh my goodness. You know, I like I like a lot of um, symmetry, but I don't often love just pairs everywhere. Like I think it's not that interesting. So I do think it's nice when when you're able to create symmetry in a space but yet have things that are just complementary to each other. I think that's a really a great way to sort of improve a room i don't know i don't really have that many pet peeves <laughs> come on you go into people's like, houses you're not like yeah. <laughs> i like really nice lampshades mm-hmm. um so i guess cheap lampshades are a pet peeve perhaps mm-hmm. um because uh, frankly now you can buy such nice ones that are not that expensive you know i feel like the, the world of lampshades is sort of yeah. met us in the middle a little bit the problem with lampshades one. is yeah. usually size the fit and the fit the has fit. to be right i mean that I mean, it's is worth just bad. going to a lamp store and like having them mm-hmm. sort of get that organized if you don't do it professionally i think it's yeah yeah they'll they'll fit it for you right there you take it in the lamp store and they'll be like here's what you need that's right which i love i mean you you can't do it without a measuring tape you really definitely not (laughs) unless you you have the actual lamp with the shades take your lamp into the store with you right try it on right there it's better and you can change the harp size i don't think people know they can change harp sizes on Mm -hmm. lamps yeah there's so much adjustability Mm -hmm. with there's so and there's so many choices there's so many ways to make a lamp beautiful. So. Can we do a little lamp lesson since we're on this topic? Yeah, what uh, is it? Oh, well. I'm happy to talk about lampshades. <gasps> yeah, do it. Give us a lamp <laughs> lesson. <laughs> lampshades are a really wonderful way to make an impact in a room. I saw a room recently where they had taken a color. It was blue. It just happened to be blue, which I loved. <laughs> but they had done all the lampshades in this living room in this beautiful aqua blue. And they were lacquered. But it was stunning, and they weren't all the same. Obviously, the same lamp, but they had, they had created this sort of consistency with the lampshades, and it was subtle, but yet so impactful and fantastic because there were a lot of patterns and things in the room. But this, the lampshades, sort of just at eye level, just sort of kind of tied the room together. It was just mm. beautiful. So I thought that was very inspiring. Yeah, and like you said, three or more of them. Yes, you don't exactly. Have two of those, <laughs> it it wouldn't have been right. Yes. Right. They had like seven. It was really, it was really beautiful and not boring. I mean, not, it didn't seem too repetitive. It was just kind of fabulous looking. I, I love fabric shades. I love taking a fabric and, you know, having it done in a very small pleat, you mm-hmm. know, to make custom lampshades. 
I think it's a great way to even on a, even on a dining room fixture or something if you have a lot of candelabra bulbs I mean having some beautiful shades made will totally change the fixture it can totally change the room mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. lamps are just I'm obsessed with lamps I mean I I have a <laughs> store and I have a lot of lamps in my <laughs> store because I'm always looking for variety like I, I try to find you know, vintage brass lamps or, and I actually represent Christopher Spitzmiller. I have all of his beautiful creations that are stunningly custom glazed with beautiful bases. But if you put a pair of Christopher's lamps in a room with a beautiful pair of like Asian brass lamps, and then you have maybe something a little more European looking or, you know, sort of Jensen looking. I mean, I think the mix, like everything, you don't want it to be boring. You want to keep it interesting with your lamps and sort of try to create a little bit of harmony, but yet Keep it interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, everything has to speak to each other. But I have a question. Mm-hmm. I've seen and love the mm-hmm. look of lamps with like a dark shade mm-hmm. on them. When you have a dark shade that's like more opaque, mm-hmm. it only sends the light up and down. Right. So when do you know whether to use a lamp like this mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. black where it only, right. or, you know, dark or something, or versus something that's like a linen where it really diffuses the light? Right. Well, I think a lot of that depends on the type of room. And the amount of light the room is getting. And if the mm-hmm. room is used more in the day or more in the evening. Like I think if a room is really, if you really need the light from the lampshade, I would highly recommend going with, with a more even light distribution. So like in a but, living room that mm-hmm. doesn't have an overhead chandelier mm-hmm. or something. But if you're only going to be in there at night and you just want sort of some light in the corner that's a little ambient light, right. it wouldn't matter, right? The other thing is uh, those types of lamps might be better at a, like at a higher level. So it might be better on a standing lamp where you're still getting a little, because you're sort of below the lamp, you know, if you're sitting on a sofa or Uh something, whereas just a general table lamp, the shade is usually a little bit lower than you or, you know, the bottom of the shade, if that makes sense. So I might prefer that type of shade on a console table that's a bit higher. Where you, with the a lights, dark. The darker shade. A dark shade, shade on mm-hmm. a console table where right. it's not. Or a standing yeah. lamp where it's, okay. you know. Or even on a, sh- on a chandelier. Like if you were okay. doing something like an eight-arm chandelier in your dining room or your foyer, that would also be great. Okay. Right, because it would mm-hmm. just be down on your table or something. Right. Yeah. It would mush the light down there. Yeah. Okay, cool. I've always thought about that. Yeah. Who was saying the other day, I feel like at work we were talking about this, um, like the rule of thumb is you need eight, at least eight well, um, sources that. of light in every room. Is this right? Well, I'm, I, I'm a big fan of having variation. So whether it be really beautiful library sconces, like on a bookcase, whether they be at eye level or the type that are mounted at the top. I think that's always a great way in a library to sort of create a little more atmosphere. They're all in demers. Um it's good to have some overhead light, even if you don't use it. It's nice to have that option, whether it be some sort of discrete recessed lighting. And they make such great ones now that are, you know, very modern and great mm-hmm. looking. Or an overhead light fixture, which could be a chandelier or a lantern or something um, more sculptural. Not and track lighting? Not Maybe not. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> we'll avoid that. <laughs> so many good options now. Thank God. Lamps, really, it's nice having something at eye level. Just even aesthetically, just to break up sort of what is at eye level, it's sort of a nice softening effect on every room. Even a very modern room can benefit from some lampshades. Mm-hmm. We often find that lighting is a lot of people's pet. I mean, myself. It's because it's you need more than you think. I think we always try to plan for more than we need, even if we don't use it. I think it's always just better to have the option, and you can always make little adjustments. But if you don't have it, if you don't plan for it, 
then you probably just won't have it. <laughs> so, right, exactly. Because it is something that has to be thought of earlier mm-hmm. in the process rather than later. Mm-hmm. You mentioned in your book mm-hmm. that you were working on your own home yes. project. Yes, yes. So we're living there now. It's very exciting. <laughs> um, we are living there. It's not completely finished, but I still have a few things Gosh. left to figure out. A few carpets still to be ordered and a few... You know, I have most of my curtains are done and <laughs> wallpapers and things. So the decor is not fully finished. The house is fully. The house finished. is fully finished. There's okay. a lot of landscaping happening right now, okay. <laughs> but the house itself is finished. You know, bathrooms are all finished. All of that, you know, sort of construction phase is over. Thank goodness. Mm. It was it so from the ground up or a renovation? It that was, was a renovation, actually, it was a really, right? It was a renovation. It was actually mm-hmm. interesting. We bought this very, you know, unattractive ranch house <laughs> that was but it was very big it was a very large house but just kind of rambling kind of ranch style house and we took down 70 percent of the house we left the basement we left the attached garage and a very beautiful paneled library that had really big proportions like it was sort of a surprise to walk into this house mm-hmm. and see this library because it sort of just didn't fit into this space at all so anyway we kept the library and we basically designed our floor plan around the footprint of the house that was existing because it sort of sat very nicely on the property. I didn't want to have to start cutting down trees. I wanted the house to feel like it was always there, but it was a really interesting process. I learned so much as <laughs> as everyone does when they build a house, but it was a great experience. Any disasters? Um, oh. Or tips? <laughs> yeah, or tips. Yeah. What'd you do, right? We're going to have to do wrong? an entirely different podcast for right. that. <laughs> we'll That's a lot that, that is its own story. <laughs> but I'm just happy that we're in, and my kids really love it, and we're having a lot of fun That's being cool. there. Did so. you keep a lot of your decor? Interestingly, I I kept some things. Like, not the fabrics and things like that, but um, I have a lot of pretty paintings that I love, and then I antiques and things like that. And some mid-century pieces mm-hmm. and some great cocktail tables and things that I just could, I don't think I could find anything I liked better. So right, yeah. I kept them. You tell this great story in your book about buying at an auction. <gasps> yeah, Can you tell the lacquer screen? Oh, yes, it's in my dining room. It's so beautiful. So there was this fabulous property in um, Old Westbury, which is near where we live. And it was, it was actually Mrs. Boswick's house. And she was sort of known to have great style. And Mario Boada was her decorator. And it was really just such a classic American house. It was just a big, rambling 1920s wood-clavered house. And they were selling the property, and they decided to have this big estate sale on the property. So it was, you know, it was a Saturday in sort of May, and it was attended by so many interesting – I mean, it was just like – Lots of decorators came. Fighting it, over it, everything. You know, Mario, actually, Mario was there. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but yeah. I bought, I mean, I bought curtains from the house. Were, I mean, because everything was so beautifully made. Oh, my gosh. I bought chairs, curtains, you know, farm tables. Um, but this... For clients or for yourself? Kind of both. I mean, you know, I've always been a little bit of a um, buy what you love and find a home for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I thought maybe you were going to say that's why. I, that's why I have a store. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was the most wonderful day. And I remember I kept calling my mother-in-law. I was like, I probably shouldn't buy this. She's like, oh, just buy it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. She's like, don't have any regrets. Um, so anyway, I bought everything. And, <laughs> and I kept everything from that. It was such, a, there are only a couple of things that I sold to clients, to be honest. But it was such a special house with so many incredible things 
that he I sort of, it. those are once in a lifetime moments. That was about 14 years ago. But you stored these panels I for did. like 13 I, years I or something? I had them in storage for a really <laughs> long time. But they're really beautiful. Wait till you see them. <laughs> right? And your husband's never like, honey, huge. what up with the panels? Yeah, they're huge. <laughs> they're in perfect. I can't believe they're still in perfect condition. I was so worried when I took them out of storage that they would be some sort of, you know, crackling or oh my something. But they were, because they're pretty fragile. I mean, they're pretty delicate. So are they like on the wall or are they, they are, standing? Well, I think Mario had these amazing, it's sort of like a stand made for them. So mm-hmm. they're each 70 or 80 inches wide. Wow. And they, but they sort of fit together and they are on wow. these very beautiful lacquered bases. It's, the whole thing is very sort of chinoiserie fun, you know, but they're very old and beautiful and just have so much scale and presence. It sort of doesn't matter what you put in the room. It just mm-hmm. sort of has its own yeah, I'm thing done. happening. Put that in there, we're done. <laughs> so it's fun. It's a little bit different, and I've never done a room like that. So I've kind of enjoyed having them in my dining room. Yeah. So. Before we do our decorating dilemmas, I have one more question. Yes. I wanted to ask you about your wallpaper because oh, I think that's so cool. Yes. So if you could tell us oh, about it. Oh, I feel so lucky. So I... I purchased about nine years ago the archives to the Philip Graff collection. How does one do that? What well, is that? It was a, it was interesting. It it was brought to my attention by another person in the business, another wallpaper, um, a, a person who is a CEO of a wallpaper company, and he knew that I was interested in doing something like this. And so when this opportunity came up, he found it, and there were six lines that were for sale, and he wanted one of them, and I took the other five. So it was five different lines that we sort of rebranded. It was really a huge learning curve. I mean, I had done a little bit of custom wallpaper, but we had so much fun sort of recoloring and reimagining the archives. They're so beautiful. The artwork was really timeless. Like it was mostly done some as early as the late 60s and then a lot of it in the 70s and early 80s. But there was just a lot of thought that went into it. You could just tell. And they're as relevant today as they were, you know, in the 70s. They're just great looking and Lots of opportunity to do something custom. We do a, most of our wallpaper sales are custom orders. And do you do custom colors? We do. You can give us any Benjamin Moore color or Farron Ball color, and we can oh. just. It's really not that difficult to do. I mean, we it's yeah. once once designers sort of sort of understand what we're all about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We all know how difficult it is to sort of if you're trying to find oh the perfect shade of like peony, you know, right. for yeah. someone's little girl's bathroom, you know, and you're trying to find something on a white background, well, you can have exactly that. You just have to sort of sift through our patterns, see if anything works in terms of the actual aesthetic. And then we just plug in the colors and we send you a strike off. It takes about three weeks. Wow. wow. That's, That's really cool. interesting. Yeah. So it's sort of an easy thing to, to do. And it's also a really great way to make your projects more unique because, yeah. you know, most of the things we're shipping out are things that are one of a kind. It's right, like right. And so you have a total of how many patterns? I think we have... 40, about 45. Okay. Yeah. And we're doing, we're doing fabrics with most of them. I think we probably have 30 fabric screens now. So. And are you, you're digitally printing the fabrics or you're No, they're, they're still hand printed. They're still wow, screened. That's so really interesting. Is that all done in New York? It's all done in New Jersey. New Jersey. Yeah. We have two printers that we really love. That's so cool. I just think that's that really is cool. amazing. How does one buy a wall? Yeah. <laughs> like I didn't know that was Caroline a thing. is so jealous. <laughs> But, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about it after I did it, and I was like, I, it would have taken me a lifetime to have created that. Right. You know? I mean, you could never – I mean, it would have to – it would certainly have to be your full-time job. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. It would not be a sort of part-time, you know, 
But I love so that you brought that all back to life. You know, you kind of it was, re- revived. I feel like it was my dessert. Archive. It was sort of, you know, I mean, the decorating is always really fun, but just, but truthfully, having our own archives, that, and there's still so many patterns we haven't put on the market, but I love sort of digging through when we're starting a new project and saying, gosh, this would be so beautiful in like shades of blue and green. Sorry. Right? <laughs> Perfect. But I bet your clients really appreciate the fact that they're getting something no one well, else has. we try has. to really create something different. I mean, we try to make every job feel a little bit different and a little bit unique to that client. Mm-hmm. Are a lot of your wallpapers in, in the book? There are a lot in the book, actually. Okay. Yeah, it was a great way. The book yeah, was a really off, great way right? to yeah. show them off. It's I a know. great advertising yeah. tool. Yeah. <laughs> well, I do yeah. love your book. Yeah. And it's called The Decorated Home, Living with Style and Thank Joy. You. And the cover is... Blue. It's blue. It it's aqua blue. blue. Yeah. It's a beautiful bedroom in it Sea Island, beautiful. Georgia. I know. Oh. That's a that looks great. like Sea Island. And that is yeah. one of my wallpapers actually. And we did custom color that for her. Well it's perfect. So I mean pretty. it matches yeah. that it fabric like nobody matches. Business. Yeah. Wow. All right, great. Really? And a wonderful okay. board by Charlotte Moss. Another we're big fans of hers. I know. She's a favorite. Yes. <laughs> favorite of mine. Who doesn't love Charlotte? Yeah. <laughs> Shall we do some decorating dilemmas? Sure. Sure. Decorating I would love to. Dilemma. Time for one. Love a challenge. Okay, awesome. So Violet writes, my decorating dilemma is that we're moving to a new house where the living room area has floor to ceiling windows on two sides. Attached photo of the north side. And there's a photo <laughs> attached. Great. <laughs> um, Which is just a big wall of windows. Yes. Full wall. In an empty room. Yep. Floor to ceiling, like literally floor to ceiling. Okay, I have so many good ideas for her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. So the rest of it just says, I absolutely love the windows and the openness of the room, but need some of your ideas as far as how to design so that we can enjoy the views and also have some functional living areas. Our style is a mix of rustic and modern, nothing too cluttered or overdone. We'd love to get your thoughts on what we can do. No, okay, so here's what we're going to do. Don't tell her the answer and just refer to the page in the book. Page 19. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like pawing through her book to find the perfect room that it actually emulates this actually, exactly almost. It, it's ironic because the room that you have sent the picture of is is so similar to a picture in my book. And it was a very interesting 1960s house that we renovated and did not tear down. It was a, a house that because of the property, it was on the water, it would have been something that Someone else. Someone might have torn down just because, but we sort of fell in love with the mid-century architecture and sort of embraced it. And so my my thoughts for you are, um, in referencing my experience doing a project like yours, we wanted to frame the view but not distract from the view. So we went with very neutral curtains that just sort of soften the windows. And um, we also hung them as high as possible just to sort of, you know, elongate the ceiling height. Um... I would, you know, I think you could paint the the metal um, sliding doors. Even if you were planning to replace them, you could powder coat them or um, paint them white. And the wall. And the wall. Right. I, I would just go white. Here's I think. Color. Oh, great. Thanks. I gave her a black and white I, picture. I'm I, not a very good host. <laughs> Sorry. I think, I think the floors would. I mean, truthfully, I might just lacquer that floor, like, with boat paint. I mean, just All really white. make it mm, sort of feel. Um, yeah, pretty white box. And then, you know, obviously, if you could extend the terrace, that would be great. Just because I think what's outside is as important as what's inside and what you're looking at. And you obviously have an incredible view. So I would say 
the landscaping decisions are important as well. But I think keeping it really light and, and simple and easy on the eye would be my advice. And sort of going with that little bit of that sort of mid-century look that this house seems to have, I think that mm-hmm. would be very chic and updated. Beautiful. Right. And the way that you, and we'll be able to post this picture up on, on the show notes Great. so that she can see, but the way that the furniture is arranged, it doesn't face... It, it all kind of floats toward the center of the room, so nothing faces a wall or right. faces the window. It all kind of is pulled in from all of the walls so that you can access um, – there's egress behind all of the right. furniture, I guess, mm-hmm. so that the, um, you can see outside still and it's not blocked by anything. I love this furniture arrangement that mm-hmm. you've done here because mm-hmm. so many times people talk about, like, oh, if you have a long, narrow room, do two seating. But pe- you always see examples where it's like – a back-to-back sofa, and you need a lot of space for that. This is right. like a great way to divide yeah, it's it up. Open. It, it's mm-hmm. very open, but it feels like everyone has a place. There's, we've created a lot of seating in that room, um, but I, and I do think a floating floor plan seems like it would be great um, in this space, Agreed. in this photograph. Mm-hmm. I think that would be wonderful. It is amazing. I'm just I'm still looking at these two pictures, amazed at how similar the picture from your book is. <laughs> to this um, yeah. dilemma. So this will be great. I Just copy it. Thought of it. Exactly. <laughs> and you'll be set. That's perfect. <laughs> um, I also love in this book, it's like you are in, in your book, in this book. And I think this person maybe should do the same thing, like pull some sort of color from mm-hmm. the outside mm-hmm. environment, you know, bright green, green, or a foresty green, or a sky blue, or mm-hmm. some sort of color that you're seeing outside and make that the color to unite the space yeah so the outside and the inside are really one large unified moment yeah Mm -hmm. i think that's a great idea because i I think it just sort of to your point you know colors in nature and it's probably why i use so much blue and green they seem to just find their way and without being imposing Mm -hmm. i think especially in a room like this where you're so connected to the outside i think it's nice to have that harmony of the two think of them as one the blues and greens kind of working together yeah yeah I'm excited about this. Yes, it'll look great. This will look nice. Well, thank you for coming. I so enjoyed being here. Thank you for having me. Welcome to Atlanta. It's fun to be in Atlanta. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to have a nice dinner tonight. How long are you in town? You have ADAC, something in ADAC, Yeah, I'm speaking at ADAC in the morning, which I'm so excited about. (laughs) And there are some other really great guests um, in attendance as well. And we're having a fun dinner at Atlas tonight. It's delicious. Do you want to tell everyone where they can find you and where they can find your book? Oh, wonderful. So we have a we have a great website at megbraff.com. And I have a store. We have an online store. We're on first dibs. And my book can be purchased through the store. We do signed copies. We send them out. And they're beautifully wrapped as gifts. So it's kind oh, of a nice, nice. It's a nice present if you have a friend that's <laughs> interested in decorating or someone who's bought a new house and looking for inspiration. I love idea. signing those and sending them out because it's just such a nice, thoughtful gift. And do you have an Instagram? Oh, yes. We Can we stalk you? Meg Graff Designs, Instagram, <laughs> definitely. Perfect. And we're on Facebook. So. Awesome. Cool. All right. Well, that's our show. Thank you so much for listening. You can leave us a review in Apple Podcasts or, of course, check out the show notes on howtodecorate.com slash podcast. Follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. And until next time, happy, happy decorating. decorating.